Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is the show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rents, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. getting a note here but let's talk about the weather a little bit this year not a lot of rain just meant not a lot of rain outs rain delays so we're got some holes in the in the schedule here in september yeah you know it's it's bizarre to see holes in the schedule and frankly this is a killer time if you are playing head-to-head fantasy for there to be giant holes in the schedule mm-hmm like yeah. as a lot of teams i mean i was setting my tgfbi lineup today a lot of teams two games monday through thursday <laughs> day off monday and thursday not common mm-hmm. yeah it's leading leading to some weird choices for me um leading to a little bit uh i don't know it's, it's just weird to have baseball lose steam in the sense like fewer games at a time when it ostensibly should be picking up steam <laughs> one would think yeah now would be the time that you want to have some extra games but but this is it. This, they, they have the holes in the lineup for rain delays. Okay, but I would put holes in the lineup on different days, which is getting, which is going to get to my, my future point. Saturday or Sunday, there's college football. There's NFL right now. Like, we don't need to compete with eyeballs. Why are they going to yeah. take Monday off <laughs> and Thursday? All right, fantasy leaders check-ins here. Aaron Judge, 15 weeks, whatever. Justin Verlander, six weeks even on the I.L., pretty amazing sometimes not playing is helpful i i mean you know we all like to start our sit our starters occasionally strategically at the end of the season could be good here tgfbi i'm at 345 up from 358 two weeks ago you are at 279 you're going the wrong but wrong way buddy you had to do a little work there i i identify i've identified the problems and some of them are not some of them that i have bad players (laughs) I mean, we got three weeks left, right? So we we got to pick it up. Here. We'll see if I can turn that around. I, I think that I'm going to pivot on the pitching to try to like sink down lower on ERA and WHIP, and um, try to get a couple of saves. Because if I get like if I get a couple of saves, I move up. Yeah, some good. I'm, I'm good switching. Spots easily. I, I'm switching to pure counting stats. I think at the end of the season. To here at this point at the end of the season you look and this is why i was hammering the the schedule point because it's just like i'm just gonna go get pas i'm just gonna go try and just move up a little bit in the counting stats i can't go down an average i'm third to last so okay <laughs> who cares yeah my i've 237 average this week and uh three home runs it's not very good but three saves i mean hey devin williams finally getting some save opportunities but i grabbed Let's see. I grabbed Tanner Scott and Nick Martinez to try to you know, eke out a couple saves. Nothing doing. Bummer, man. I feel but that. But ERA and WHIP, 274 and 1.0 last week. I mean, I, hey, I'll take that. Still got 59Ks. It's better than a lot of teams. Hey, that's good. So we'll Lansland see. Lansland finally shutting the door on your team. <laughs> yeah, well. So let's pick up a few spots. Let's, let's go for it. Let's do it. Well, this week... We're going to do Stats 101 Lesson 4. 
And we're jumping straight into advanced inferential statistics here, mm. a, a little segment that we're going to do next couple weeks. And this one is PCA or principal component analysis. I think now I'm of the opinion that we're really getting to the good stuff here where we're kind of stretching the definition of stats 101 a little bit, but there is a good reason to do that. I think, what do you think? Are we pushing it too far? <laughs> We're we're kind of jumping into the deep end, but I think that's typically what us what the kind of the course would take you because when you jump into the deep end, you can see how how far your feet are away from the bottom. I, I think I mean we should water view, is wet. We we should view this lesson in in that sense. I think, uh, and this is sort of like to me, this is a first. Oh, we're in the real world. Uh oh, I have to solve some big problems immediately. And mm -hmm. so the reason that we're going to talk about PCA is because let's say that we've got this massive data set, something like a thousand baseball players and 162 games and a bunch of these for multiple seasons. That's way too much data for us to look at box scores and simply remember. You know, I, I, can, I can remember a bunch of people. Like I know Mike Trout's good, but is Ryan Presley good? Like was Ryan Presley good? I don't remember. <laughs> like, right, right. When you're looking at a big data set, it's really easy to lose some of the black and white ink in the middle of it. Like, oh, I didn't realize. You know, you'll have this happen. It's like I, at the beginning of a of a fantasy season, you'll look at the stats from last year. You're like, wait, when did that player go on a tear? Because he was awful for the first half of the year. Yeah, exactly. Well, didn't realize that he was going two for four for a solid month to, to close the season. No, I agree, I agree with that. And this is, you're saying that this is an analysis tool, but it's really a summary tool. Yes, so that's my, my next point is that, you know, we've already used, we've already talked a little bit about statistics where we're trying to summarize the data, but this is the next step in summarizing the data in a more powerful mathematical way. That means that we're going to do, I'm going to hit you with some definitions today. So we'll take it slow and make sure we talk, try and talk through them and understand them. But I think at this point, I think it's unavoidable. We talked through mean, median mode. What's next? If you're still with us, then you're still with us. I mean, I talked about moments already. So you know, yeah, it's, only, yeah. it's only going to get more intense from here. Already lost half of the hosts. <laughs> so at this point, we're going we're gonna to say hi to PCA, Principal Component Analysis. And using PCA... We can define new variables. So these are going to be, you can think of them just as summary statistics that contain most of the information. And the big thing here is that usually it's all of the relevant information in the larger data set. And the buzzword is dimensionality reduction. Dimensional reduction. And that's, so when you, so this should be, this should be your intro to that stats buzzword. And I, I think you hit that point pretty early in a stats class. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, especially in, in geography, you have so many different vectors, so many different variables that you're dealing with that you have to figure out. You have to push some of them away because they don't matter. They really don't matter. And this is, this is the whole point of PCA is that imagine that you are in Excel and you have 20 columns of data and you have 10,000 rows. Which of those 20 columns of data actually matter and actually drive what what these rows look like yeah 
that's no, that's exactly right. And that's that's the the crux of dimensionality reduction. So what is the principal component <laughs> of this data set? So in the spirit of stats 101, we're going to take it pretty simple, pretty slow here. And we're going to try and Kiss. look at look at Keep PCA simple, in a couple different ways and, and see what just the basics give us. All right. I'm going to throw some math terms at you this episode. So, you know, hold on. <laughs> uh, we need to handle a thing called eigenanalysis, uh, yeah, which results in eigenvectors and eigenvalues. And maybe some of you are linguistic nerds, so we'll hit it that <laughs> way first. Eigen here comes from the, the, the high German, old German, to own, the verb to own, or maybe better translated as, as self. And, uh, you know, self has taken on a life of its own. If you've ever coded in Python at all, you know, class structures, oh, every, yep, everything yep, yep. belongs to self. That's kind of, you know, loosely sort of the idea that we're looking at, sense of self that we're looking at here. Ooh, sense of self. <laughs> sense of self this is now anyway so eigen comes from that and the basic thing that you need to know is that there are these pairs of informative of information holders called an eigenvector and an eigenvalue there can be as many of those as there are dimensions in your data dimensions meaning those columns in eric's excel example the goal of this is that if you have 20 columns in your data set that you want to be able to describe the data set in as few eigenvectors as possible. That's right. So you don't want 20 to describe it. That, no. You failed because then you already have 20 columns. If you if you pare down one to 19, okay, great. But the idea is like, can we get this down to like four or five? Yeah. And for the basics today, we're going to go from two to one. <laughs> Just yeah. We're, we're talking about taking two, dim two dimensions and turning them into one. Okay. And... But these eigenvectors and eigenvalues, which are paired, have a special property, which is that when you multiply them by a vector, here meaning a single column of your data, they are equal, or your whole data, they are equal. So it's usually more meaningful to search in the opposite direction, though, where you start with your data and you're searching for these eigenvectors and eigenvalues that have this special property. Mm -hmm. And when you multiply them by the data, they're equal. And when you computationally solve this, there's, there are lots of things you do not need to know anything about computationally solving this because there are very robust algorithms that will do this for you. But the basic thing is that the larger the eigenvalue, it's immediately telling you how much, how important it is for describing the data. And the shape of the, the values of the eigen curve, or the eigenvalues, is extremely important and tells you how many dimensions you actually need to describe your data. Is that how you think? How do you think about PCA? Do you think it, is this? This is just way too math. <laughs> this is. Yeah, I've I've seen two different ways to kind of think about it, and one is sort of like thinking about it in terms of irregular cloud of data, and here's the point through it, and and, and you take you know you have all sorts of different vectors, and then all of a sudden you shove a line through it, and you have an X and a Y axis that don't mean anything. Right, they're within some pivot of this data in some um, planes of existence that you don't, you can't even comprehend. Right, we think in we think in two dimensions yes. com commonly, three sometimes if we're good. I can't think of four dimensions. So I think about it in that way, and then I think about the you know eigenvector one, and then perpendicular to it, eigenvector two. Yeah, exactly, and and that I the, think. 
So you're geometric in this. I think about it geometrically, but then I think about the eigenvalues, and then I think mm-hmm. about them in terms of like a bar chart. Eigenvalue mm-hmm. one. Here we are. This is they. They can be any number, right? Yep. It just is not not limited by one, right? Yep. So you see eigenvalue one here. If you if you display them out, you can see like oh okay. So first two eigenvectors are huge compared to eigenvector number five, which is mm-hmm. teeny tiny tiny little value. It'll be you'll see it and you'll be like okay there you go. But then I have a harder time marrying those two the eigenvector and the eigenvalue to actually Mm -hmm. to get down and understand the data set yeah i think i mean it's so you're you're injecting abstraction into Uh your analysis for the benefit of some dimensional reduction so i mean there's no such thing as a free lunch in this sense like you're (laughs) we have to we have to think in this more abstract term and so Mm -hmm. when we do this example here in just a second we're going to define a new statistic that means nothing other than, you know, yeah. we, we, I think relationally, in, you'd call it like the goodness. All right. So let's just get into this example here. I mean, we're going to do this geometrically because I actually think that that's, I, I still think that's the best way to think about PCA. It's the best way to start. Yep. So, so the, the example is, and we've talked about this a little bit before runs versus RBIs. So now for a given player, they have a certain number of runs and RBIs, so you plot those against each other. So now we're effectively looking at a point cloud that's number of RBIs as a function of runs. Now, we've skirted this issue before, so I'm going to kind of just breeze over it quickly, but you'll normally want to normalize and regularize the data. I think we might want to put some some of these terms aside for a glossary episode later. Uh, and this is, I mean, this could be considered statistically cheating in the sense that we're going to, you know, you're going to subtract the mean from the distribution already and divide the variance. So we're kind of giving ourselves a head start on the summary statistics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have to put it on the piece of paper somehow. <laughs> that tends to be the most effective. But I'm giving you runs versus RBIs. So let's talk about the raw value first. It obviously looks like exactly what you expect. There's players with more runs tend to have more RBIs, but there's a lot of scatter in this relationship at any given point in runs. And the question then is really, is really, okay, is it weird if there's a point down here where somebody's got 60 runs and only 40 RBIs? Is like, right, how exactly. strange? how strange is that point? Or how strange is the point where somebody else at 60, or 60 runs-ish has 80 RBIs? So that's telling us something, but is that the optimal way to think about this? Like, should we be thinking about it as at fixed runs, how many RBIs they have, or at fixed RBIs, how many runs they have? And the answer is no, effectively, you want to know how close they are to the, this key relationship between runs and RBIs. So what we're going to try and do is we're geometrically in PCA, what we're going to do is we're going to twist this distribution such that there's one statistic now. So you're going to just you take this line that we have and you'll rotate it so that it's aligned with the, the principal component axis zero. And that's going to be some sort of weird statistic that represents some combination of runs plus RBIs. And that's, I gave that all to you below, but I think we should talk about what this is actually trying to tell us at some point. Sure. Yeah, I think that's important. <laughs> we have teased this 
but we've avoided it. We can't do it anymore. We have to talk about covariance now. And this is how the data varies with relation to one another. And so that has to do with why there's a, where there's a characteristic slope in the relationship of runs versus RBIs. It's because they're very covariant with each other. Right. As, we, as we've said before, in some data sets, it won't be obvious why there's covariance, why, you know, distance from distance from a super fun site and uh, propensity to have leukemia. You may, maybe you don't even know, know what the, don't even know to that extent, you know, what the relationship is and the data set, but runs in RBIs. We know how baseball is played. So we have yeah. a good sense that they, there is going to be covariance there. And in order to make a covariance matrix, which is the key thing here, we're looking at the combination of everybody's runs and RBIs. So how typical a relationship ratio between runs and RBIs is. And this just means that you're taking a player's runs value and multiplying it by their RBI value and taking their runs squared value and their RBI squared value and you're adding these all up together to make one summary matrix, which is really funny. It's always funny to me at this stage because you take thousands of observations and you compress them into this two by two matrix. <laughs> two by two, that's <laughs> it. This is all of the information and this matrix is incredibly powerful. And we're going to use that matrix to what's, do a process of what's called diagonalization that will immediately isolate which components are more important to the other and define this rotation for us. And it's, tell, it's trying to remove the covariance between runs and RBIs. So it's looking for, okay, you've, you've given me runs and RBIs. What if I define a new variable that is some combination of runs plus RBIs that actually tells me what the underlying relationship between the two is. Mm -hmm. And effectively that's what's happening is that we're fitting the correlation here by and tilting the space to do this. And I, th I think once you've made this rotated space, these statistics are completely abstract. They don't mean anything anymore. No, but they're they don't super mean anything useful. Anymore. I, I mean, it's great to understand that, but that's what I was saying. It's it's you're understanding the relationship between the two data sets, but then, well, two vectors, but you can't forecast with that. You can't forecast with that, but there is actionable information in there. So I mean, sure. one of the things when you've done two dimensions, right, this is a way that you can conclusively tell yourself in a statistical way, which players are strongly tilted towards scoring runs and which players are strongly tilted towards scoring RBIs. So who's, sure. who's sort of an outlier in how many runs they scored versus how many RBIs they scored? And so the first thing I'm going to look at here, I was a little bit surprised. I've given you a list here of guys who are really tilted towards runs. So we've taken this, this runs and RBI space, we've run PCA on it, so we've tilted the whole space. And now you're looking at, okay, who's, who is anomalous in the second PC that is the the thing that's at a right angle to the runs RBIs combo. There's some surprising people on this list, uh, things that I wouldn't expect. And again, the reason that I think this is actionable information is because we were talking about at the top for our TGFBI team is what we want to do. If you were looking at this and said, man, I just need runs, these are the mm -hmm. players you'd want to target because they're anomalously good at scoring runs. Any, who's, uh, who's surprising you on this list? Anybody? Um... I don't. I don't know that any of these are hugely surprising. I, mean, I guess you're right, Mike Trout. You've you've highlighted. You would. Th I think of him as being as 
evenly distributed as, as it would be. But, I mean, I think it's good that Byron Buxton is tilted towards runs right now. I, I do, too. Uh, I Which, mean, and who is who has caught your attention? We've we've got what Riley Adams, Riley Adams. So the, these are guys that are more than one sigma away from the expected relation. So so tying together everything that we've talked about before, we've built a we've used PCA to build an expected relationship between runs and RBIs, and now we're looking at okay, who's broken that relationship? Who's in a surprising location relative to that? And Byron Buxton, good guy to have on here, strongly tilted towards runs. Bunch of guys that are kind of unexpected on here that are just apparently squeezing out random runs. And that, to me, feels fairly important. Um, Kyle Garlick's on here. Jake Lamb's on here. Jack Sawinski. Jake Lamb, I mean, back. Bunch of guys that have sat sort of around on the waiver wire. Bradley Zimmer. I mean, obviously Mike Trout's not on the waiver wire, but <laughs> he's, he's still interesting in this context. There are a couple of catchers in here low which i also find surprising yeah it it shouldn't be catchers so let me do something a little bit more speculative here which is those are the guys that are outliers in pc one so that the first p the the second pc guys who are really good that is pc zero flagged these guys so in the, the tilted data space these are the guys that are have the highest ranking in the weird abstraction combo runs RBIs. One of them's Aaron Judge, so that's good because <laughs> that gives us a good a good smell test yeah, on like always, oh okay good. this is yep. doing what we expect. Other one though, Matt Carpenter. He yeah he came out of out of the gate swinging that stash and all. Little surprised by that. I mean I haven't thought of him as having like a a super great year. Well, when he was playing, he did. Um, and he's going to come back at the in October for the playoffs. <laughs> but yeah, he, no, I mean it, it's it's been a question this whole year: is what's going to happen next year? Yeah, and and you know this PCA analysis would say mm, he, he had a pretty good year, so he's somebody to look out for. I mean, what I'm what we're basically using this for, and what I'm not sure we should use it for, is to make a single ranking of sort of the best players by using one pc so we we don't do this right we are explicitly on the record not doing this because we use a different (laughs) clustering analysis effectively but there is a path forward where you could say actually pca is going i'm just going to let pca rank my players by stuffing all of the data in and seeing who has the highest number one value on this we could and for and that is one of the places where PCA is really great is looking at again it is not a forecasting tool it is a good uh dis- describer di- dimensional reduction descriptive statistic um generator so the way that you can use this is the best way to use this really is you're coming up on your trade deadline put everybody into PCA with all their all their stats mm-hmm. And then you look at the delta between PCA ranks. You put it, put together a PCA ranking, base ranking. Put the delta against what the uh, expert ranking is right now, and say, you know, these six players have a huge delta, positive delta, with what the expert rankings say. And then you say these six have a negative delta. I want to trade the six with a positive delta 
uh, four of the players with a positive delta mm-hmm. trade away those with a negative delta that is that would be the most powerful i mean we could we could do that go backwards and look every single week we could we could run it and say like okay based on right now what was the uh what was the what was the ranking and then compare that to what pci says i actually i kind of i mean i kind of like that idea i mean it's it's a good use for dimensional reduction i i'm you know i'm worried about giving everything over to the machine but this is some give us some valuable information in just a in just a data set that you just can't plain can't visualize yeah no, you cannot visualize it. it would also be interesting in terms of, you know, we we talk all the time about rankings. Mm-hmm. Dollars. Ah, you very know, true. If the, if, the, if the Cubs actually want to turn around, maybe that's what they need to do. <laughs> who are the players out there that we should trade for? I mean, and I'm talking about a team with money, you know, who could yeah. actually, like, trade for. It'd be kind of fun. Just to say this is not just for hitting. So I the next stage was to take pitching just gave you a three example here just verified that this worked stuffed in three stats that don't necessarily mean anything number of earned runs guys have given up number of k's guys have accumulated and number of walks okay so mm-hmm. i basically just picked three Ooh, disparate three. stats and yeah. let's just see what happens and i looked and took this space rotated this space just looked at who pops out in this uh immediately we identify in a low order pc just one pc fit here Jake DeGrom, pretty good. Two Mets and Edwin Diaz. And Edwin Diaz. And then I've got I've got an offer for you here. Ryan Helsley comes up on this. I like Ryan Helsley. PCA likes Ryan Helsley too. Mm-hmm. So I I mean PCA again, this this is a little this has turned into a little bit of an algorithm club, but the idea <laughs> here is sound, right? In the sense that that we want to come up with a way to do dimensional reduction. PCA is very valuable for that. This is yet another tool that I would use to start exploring just any data set. I think it's so computationally inexpensive that we should probably PCA everything. <laughs> just we to give should. A sense Theoretically, of what's we going should. On. Every time that we get into a new data set, we should be like, ooh, what does PCA say? I think so. I, I mean, but we can push back into this and we can push back into this a little bit and say what those principal components are right how yes. they relate to the actual yes. the different vectors so that i mean that's that's the next level is taking the principal components that you get and what's doing what's called a projection into the data to see how much of each term they contribute because eventually if you include all of the principal components you, you get, get back, back to the data set that you had exactly yeah so you're just chopping off irrelevant pieces of information until you get to the pieces that you really want to keep but you have thrown away some information. That's a key point here in this dimensional reduction. But because of that, you can also look. And so I actually can tell you the answer. So um, in runs and RBIs, the first PC gives you 85% of the variance. So tell describes 85% of the information. Um, it's a little bit worse when you start throwing random things in. So when I stuffed in uh, earned runs, Ks, and walks, first PC is 70%, second PC is 20% of the data. So this, like the goodness statistic, PC zero, uh, describes 70%, which isn't to say you shouldn't use that to define all of the good players, but it does give you a hint (laughs) at the right direction. Right. How many good players? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot to do here, but I, I think... I think I'm advocating now for adding PCA to our standard workflow, even more so than we've done before. Let's do it. 
I think that about brings us to the review session. Logan Webb. Before you look, how old do you think Logan Webb is? Well, this is a problem, right? Who is the Webb from 14 years ago? I have to consciously be like, I didn't know this is not the web that I'm uh-huh. thinking of. It, it turns out, it turns out, web runs deep <laughs> for me because I, because I like saw he's 25 and like no way. Oh wow, he is. But it makes sense because he's kind of come out of nowhere. So he's played, in, he's played in four seasons. Uh, this year, 2022, 13 wins, eight losses, 2.88 ERA, 1.16 WHIP. Those are great. 29 games started already, so he's going to get a real full season in. Only 178 innings pitched in that, and only 149 strikeouts. Not loving that piece of it. And that is, so each, you ever, you have those ads on TV where you like, you start watching, it's like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And then by the end of it, you're like, oh, I don't know what that product is. Yes. And I don't remember it. Yes. It's like, and then the next time you see it, it's like, oh, I, I know that I've seen this one before. Do I like this ad? Do I like this product? No, no. And then just completely forget. That's me with Logan Webb. Every time I look at him, I'm like, oh, I like it. ERA around three. Ooh, I like that whip. Ooh, why is the K per nine so low? I, I mean, I thought about Logan. drafting him. I thought about drafting him several times in TGFBI just because it's like, oh, no. <laughs> it's a it I completely agree with you. You you're running down the stat lines and you get to the actual deal breaker strikeouts. It's like, okay, you are not gonna cut it. It's it's why he's not even in the second tier of starting pitchers, because he's got good ballpark to be pitching in. Mm-hmm. I'm good division to be pitching in other than Colorado, really. And I guess Arizona, but Arizona's terrible. So high win potential. He's got all the stuff for control. Mm-hmm. And then no strikeouts, which is a negative feedback loop. Yes. Right? Yes. If you don't have strikeouts, then all of the other stats could fall away. There is, you have, I'm, there's just more variance in the guys with low K per nine. It's true. I, I mean, I'm honestly struggling to value Logan Whip. And this this lower K per nine is a new thing this year. So ERA and Whip. I mean, Miles Mikolos. I, I, oh, I think Miles Mikolos. It's like, oh, he that's a good so comp. Good. And then all of a sudden you're like, it's two years later. You're like, oh, yeah, Miles Mikolos. Yeah, he just never could strike guys out. That's a really good comp because he kept being drafted much higher than the value that he returned because yeah. you kept seeing these peripheral stats. Okay, you've immediately colored my perception of Logan Webb and how much we should trust him. I mean, the ZRA and Whip are good in the sense that these are these are great padding stats. Really but, good. And but 13 wins, I mean, that's that's high, sure, but it's not it's not world beating. It's not like if if we if he was if this was the olden days and he was getting twenty two wins on that team or something, this would be mm-hmm. completely different. Yeah. Then yeah, <laughs> then then he would be insanely valuable. But he's not gonna, he's not going to hit the innings number to be able to do that. Yeah, and so okay, so the question I guess is, that's the other negative yeah. feedback loop is if you're not getting strikeouts, you're in the game, you're longer. In the game longer. Yeah, you're throwing more pitches. You're what? You're throwing more pitches to be in the game. And then you end up being pulled earlier. Yep. So I, I think that, I mean, the key question obviously is whether he does better next year. Because these are pedestrian numbers. He's fine. He's not exciting. He's, you really don't, you really don't want him to be your second pitcher 
you probably feel good if he's your fourth pitcher. If he's your fourth pitcher, that's awesome. If you if you're like sitting on well, if you're sitting on like Degrom and Verlander, then you're like, yeah, okay. yeah, you could have been this this draft this sure. this draft. Sure, I mean, I I agree with you. I mean, he is certainly padding the numbers in the sense that getting 178 innings below three ERA, that's pretty solid. I mean, you're mostly mostly happy with that. And let's just see, has he had any has he had any real atrocious blowups? No, he really hasn't. He had one six earned run game in early August against the Dodgers. So you probably wouldn't, nice. you have you probably wouldn't consistency. have probably wouldn't have started him there anyway. But otherwise, you know, maxing out at four earned runs. I mean that you know, you're not thrilled, but it's not it's okay. Wow, he does not let up a lot of strikeouts. Or I mean a lot of home runs. No, yeah, you want to hear some of his... Oh, let me flip flip over some fan graphs for I you. I do, yeah. Well, you want to guess where his babip is? Oh, boy. I'm going to guess it's low. Let's go with t- 265? It is not low. Oh, really? It is not, but, not extremely low. Wait, no. that seems surprising. Why? It's 291. But, <sighs> and you want to know something? Good for him. 2020, his babip, his babip 345. 2021, his BABIP was 309. So it's going the right direction. Well, good for him. But I would have, I would which, have thought which that you, he you have, can see in his ERA, right? You I would have thought see. that he would have been an elite BABIP pitcher in the sense that he's just, everyone's just grounding out <laughs> or something. Like he's not getting strikeouts. I mean, I'm worried that that's the kind of pitcher that he, okay, the thing that worries me is if that's the kind of pitcher he wants to be. If that's a pitcher that he wants to be, right. If he's like, I really, I'm not going to give up home runs. His home run per, for fly ball is 8.9. It's good. It's pretty good. Jeez, that's good. Uh, and then his BABIP is 291. If his his goal is huh. just like, I'm just going to make sure that I keep that down. If I keep keep getting that down, keep that control up. But this is this is why. So, okay, but here's here's another stat for you. Um, oh, well, here, his FIP this year is 313, so it's not too far off that 288. We know that 288 is ridiculous, but um, 313 sounds about right. His ex-FIP is 335, so even higher. But last year, his FIP was 272, so this <laughs> is not... So he, so it's he not is... surprising that his, his FIP and his whip are where they are. So he is going to be a pretty consistent pitcher. And the question then is, how do you value his consistency? He, yes. Well, it's how how much do you value his consistency, and do you see there an opportunity to increase his case? Will he decide to do the game where you trade a little control for more strikeouts? I I don't think so. Giants are crafty. The Giants are crafty. He's not on a team that's he's he's not on a team that's going to prioritize that. I don't think. So he his K per nine last year was nine point five nine, and this year it's seven point five three. I mean, yeah, I I just don't see them prioritizing that. If he gets to nine, a K K per nine of nine, then I I think that he's worth it. But he doesn't he's not. he doesn't look like he's going to do that. I mean, you look at his pitch arsenal. His he's got a fastball that's ninety two, under ninety three. That's under 93, he's got a contrast changeup, and he's got a slow slider, an 82-mile-an-hour slider. So, Which looks fun, but like if it's not 
if it's not working on a given day, that might be, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it, that's, that's basically, basically he, he's profiling like he's going to go for straight control and, you know, not, not going for tons of whiffs here. Where would you take him in a draft next year? It, it would totally, for him, it's going to completely depend on my team because of the things that we talked about before. If, depending upon who I had at the top end, I'd be willing to look at him as a third pitcher. Otherwise, which he's is, a guy that I really want to get as a fourth what, pitcher. Third pitcher is like, what, in the 10th round? Yeah, somewhere, somewhere, depending upon what I got super early, somewhere between late 8 to 10. Do you know what he, what his ADP was this year? Going I'm going to guess it's pretty high. Uh, uh, let's see, based on when we're talking about him, it's got to be like 150-ish? 62 is his ADP. What? 62? No way. Really? Uh-huh. Well, I was never, ever, ever going to sniff him then this year. Well, that's you, you're speculative, right? These guys are speculative. I like, guess, but... Is that 9.59K per nine? They said, yeah. I think that's going to go up. Right. Yeah. They said he's, he's 24. He's heading into his age 25 season. He's got this. People are like, okay, the del- what is the delta between 9.5 to 7.5? They're like, two. It's like, there's going to be an absolute value delta in his K <laughs> per nine of two. And everybody said, that's going up. Yeah. I want him. Unfortunately, yeah. it went down. Wow. Wow. I mean, he has to be drafted lower next year, right? Just because of the, just because you know what the K's look like. Mm-hmm. Would you would you care to set a K per nine bet box? I'm going to give you. I'm going to let's split the difference between these two, so it'll be an. Ugh, I can't do eight point five. That's too high. Eight point four K per nine. Over. Wow. I think that he talks to his agent. His agent says K's are sexier than than ERA. I think his agent says, just stay in San Francisco. You can, Tim, let's come here. You can have a super long leash and uh, (laughs) maybe just get out there and pitch and it's no big deal. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What are we doing next week? We're going to talk about Kevin Gaussman. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is horse luck to you, buddy. Horse luck to you, too. Yeah.